Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We are still podcasting a Bible class for Sunday mornings for those who cannot be with us at the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha. We're thankful to have the ability, the opportunity, and the means to be able to podcast these studies all through the internet all around the world. Now, we know that people listen to our podcasts in other parts of this country, but also around the world. That We know that there are some in the Omaha area who are not able to be with us physically in the building, and we're thankful again to be able to teach God's Word in such a broad-based way, in such a broad-based way through the medium of the Internet. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person if you're able, and we hope that you won't be making excuses thinking that you're not able when you really are because God wants you to be with his people. That's part of why the church is here so that we can strengthen one another in our faith and encourage one another. There's strength in numbers so to speak even when it comes to our spiritual lives. It's good to be around fellow Christians because we gain from their strength and we also gain encouragement from their presence. Well, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25 talks about those principles. Now, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. And on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we have Bible classes for all ages. That's followed at 10.30 by worship. And then on Wednesday evenings, we come back together as a congregation, and we have Bible classes again on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 each Wednesday evening. You're welcome to any and all of these studies and these worship services. We hope you'll come. Now, we want to encourage you to share these studies that you listen to by podcast with everybody you can. Undoubtedly, you know people in your life who need to change their focus in life. They need to start thinking about their soul's salvation, about their relationship with God, about eternity, because it's coming. Help them by getting them into God's Word. You can share through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means, but make that commitment and share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. What a great blessing to help somebody ultimately get to heaven, perhaps, because you got them into God's word through these studies. But you know, that won't only be a blessing for them, it will also be a blessing for you. So make that commitment and share. Now tell everybody also, and if you have not yet done so yourself, take advantage of our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page, click in the podcast button, and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We keep emphasizing we're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whichever one they choose, smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our, worship, our, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons. And they will receive a really, I think it's a wonderful, short, only about 13 minutes every day, seven days a week, a short study from God's Word that we call today's Bible class. Really touching on pertinent and relative issues, thoughts, Bible study materials. They'll also receive our 
Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. Now, while they're at our website, they can access hundreds of sermons, and those are now being posted in video format as well as audio, and they can access hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles. They can download those, read through those, study through those, and grow spiritually through that way. Well, it's a great opportunity, and again, it's free, and it always will be free. So tell everybody you can, and take advantage of our website yourself. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Exodus. In our last time together, we came to almost to the end of chapter 20. And at that point, now we find the Israelites at at Mount Sinai. God has given them the Ten Commandments through Moses. And now we run into a series through much of the rest of the book of Exodus, a listing of the laws, the law concerning servants, the law uh, concerning uh, animal control, responsibility for property, and uh, moral and ceremonial principles, and it goes on and on, on and on. Well, as I said, I'm not going to really go through all of those because it, well, it gets kind of from a spiritual perspective or a biblical perspective, it gets kind of technical and, you know, kind of tedious. So instead of going through that, I'm going to let you read those particular uh, chapters yourself, and I'm going to pick out different places that I think will be more easily followed and, and maybe more easily grasped as we go through this study. So I want to shift now to chapter 23 and begin with verse 20. Now, if you have a Bible where the editor has put headings in there, you know, such as three annual feasts back up before verse 14, talking about three annual feasts the Israelites were to follow uh, every year, and then beginning with verse 20, the angel and the promises. Now, those are editorial additions. They're not part of the original scripture text, but they're pretty helpful to us so that we can kind of break sections of the scriptures into subject matter, specific subject matter. But I want to begin with verse 20, and and this begins to get into a very important instruction from God, but also gives us some further insight as to how God was going to lead this massive body of people, again, probably from somewhere around 1 million to 3 million precious souls to the promised land, how he was going to do that. And then also conditions or instructions, we might say slash warnings from God as to how he wanted them to conduct themselves once they came to the promised land. Now, remember, These Israelites had lived their entire lives up to this point in Egypt. And this would be going back for 400 or so years. Now, God was leading them to a land that he had promised to them, but through their forefathers going all the way back to Abraham. This would be the promised land. Ultimately, it would become what we would look at as Israel. But now, 
this would be brand new for these folks. They'd never been there. They had probably read about it through God's word, heard about it through the, uh, the, the teachings of the scriptures being handed down to them orally. But now they're going to be going there. That's going to become their home. In verse 20 of chapter 23 of Exodus, we read, Behold, and this is God speaking, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Now that's the promised land. Palestine, Israel, however, you know, it would be appropriate to refer to it, but at this time it was neither of those understandings, at least not Israel, because it had it was not occupied by Israelites. In verse 21, he goes on and says, Beware of him, and notice again, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way, to bring you into the place which I have prepared. What does that mean? Well, God was going to lead, he was going to lead the people, he was going to lead this massive body of humanity through the wilderness to the promised land, by means of an angel going before them. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. And that's an interesting statement. Certainly, he'll be sent from God, and God, God would instruct him to lead this people to the promised land. In verse 22, but if, and here's a big word of condition, if, only two letters, but oh my, it is so long in application. If, if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Now, the reason we need to understand and how we, why we, we, I emphasize that word if is because God's promises of blessing on an ongoing basis, for any who would be his true people, now that would be, he's, he's fashioning the Israelites back then, thousands and thousands of years ago, to be his true people. But now it's, it's Christians, it's the church. If we're going to be his true people, we need to understand that his promises of continued blessing upon us are conditional upon our continued faithfulness to him. If you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When they would come to the promised land and enter that land, there were going to be many battles that would have to be fought. And as long as they stayed true to God, then... God would give them victory after victory after victory. But even through the, even through the wilderness wandering, if they were to come a, upon other peoples who would try to overtake them in battle, if they would stay faithful to God, God would give them the victory. So if indeed you obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemy and an adversary to your adversaries. God would give them the victories, in other words. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off 
I will give you the victory over them in battle. You will be able to possess their land, in other words, or the lands in which they are living. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor this. Now this is a warning as well as instruction to the Israelites. You do not worship idols. Go back to the very first couple of the Ten Commandments that we spent some time going over one by one. God is emphatic. You do not worship idols. You do not have any other God before me. You, when you go into this land that I am leading you to, that I promised to you through your forefathers, going all the way back to Abraham, you do not take up their idolatrous religious practices. Idols are nothing. They're statues, images, carvings. That's all they are, inanimate objects. They are not gods. They are not deity. They're not even alive. So verse 23 again. My angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. Now, overthrow those idolatrous images, statues, carvings, whatever they might be, and you shall break down their sacred pillars wherever those places of worship that those idolatrous people had set up, you do away with those places. Do not leave them there. Leaving them there could become a temptation and a point of falling ultimately for your children or other people or even yourselves. You do away with their very presence. It's what I call blowing out the match. You blow out the match, you don't have to put out the fire. Verse 25, So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. So God is promising to take care of them as far as food is concerned, and also physically, health-wise. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or barren or be barren in your land, I will fulfill the number of your days. Interesting. Now, God is promising them with sweeping blessings here that they should have really taken to heart and been impressed with. Now, one reason I'm sure that he was emphasizing all of this to the Israelites and is because they were going to be confronted with the presence of these idols these people who worshipped these idols. But also, that had been within their history themselves. They had lived in a land that, wherein the people, the Egyptians, worshipped idols. But you go back even before the time they entered into Egypt, and some of their forefathers struggled with the worship of idols. This would be a problem the people of Israel would have to deal with for hundreds of years into the future. 
until they finally learned their lesson. Basically going back to the first few of those Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God. Have no other gods before me. Do not worship idols. They are nothing. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come, that is, those who would be their enemies, and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. Now, what does that mean? They're going to run. I will, I will make you the, your enemies run from you. And I will send hornets before, that, before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. Interesting characterization, hornets. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. So he's saying, I'm going to take some time to do this, but I'm going to drive them out. You stay faithful to me. You stay dedicated to me. I'll take care of your enemies. You still have to fight battles, but I'll take care of your enemies. I'll give you victories. But I'm not going to do it all in a day. I'm not going to do it even in, in one year because the land will then become wild and I want you to be able to take it over and use it productively, continue to make it productive. I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea, Philistia, and from the desert to the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. God wants, well, let's go a little further there in verse 32. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if, here's that big word again, for if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So God is saying, you're going, I want you to remove their entire presence from this land that I am giving you, to which I am leading you. Remove their very presence. They are an idolatrous, that is, they worship idols, an idolatrous people. Do not make a covenant with them, any kind of agreement, nor with their gods, lowercase g. They shall not dwell in your land. Don't leave them any place in this land that I am giving you. Because if you do, they can ultimately become an influence for evil, for ungodliness upon you. Even to the extent of leading you, influencing you into the worship of idols. They'll be a snare to you. How many times do we instead of backing off from a line of danger, how many times do we toe the line? Do we flirt with it, so to speak? See how close we can get without crossing the line. You know, I've told a number of times, it's not a unique story to me. I, I heard it. It's probably been told many times over many years, a great many years. But the story goes of, a particular school district, and they were looking to hire a school bus driver to drive some of the children to school, to pick them up on a certain route. 
And so one question that was asked was, how close can you get to that line at the edge of the road, just on your right? How close can you get your bus to that line? And so one driver, potential driver that was interviewed said, well, I think I can get to maybe a foot. Another bus dr potential driver who they were interviewing said, I think I can get within so many inches of that line. And then they came to one bus driver who said, I'm going to stay as far away from that line as I can. I'm not going to see how close I can get to it. They hired him. There are all kinds of danger points, spiritual danger points, that are across those lines are sinful. We need to stay away from those danger points completely. Not toe the line, not flirt with the, those potential uh, sinful practices through temptation that the devil is going to throw at us, but we need to stay away from them completely. Blow out the match. Then we don't have to put out the fire. You know, as long as we stay away from sin, then we don't have to ask God for forgiveness from those sins. And so Moses is telling the Israelites, well, God, through Moses, is telling the Israelites, put those people out of your land. They are a bad influence upon you. And we might say, well, why would God give such a sweeping statement of condemnation and judgment through his people to either destroy or drive out those people from that land. Go back to the flood in Noah's day. The text there is emphatic that all of humanity, it's hard for us to fully grasp that, all of humanity had become wicked, ungodly, evil. You read through that text, it is emphatic. The wording is emphatic about what the people had become. They had become so wicked, so evil, so sinful, so ungodly that God determined to destroy them all with the exception of Noah and his family, eight precious souls. Noah was found righteous in the eyes of God. Humanity was spared through Noah and his family. That, in a similar way, because of their idolatry, is basically why God is telling the Israelites you believe in me, you follow me, I have delivered you, I will give you this land, but do not tolerate the presence of the people who are in that land right now to remain there. You either through battle destroy them or drive them completely out of that land. You don't flirt with those those settings of their idols, 
those places of their worshiping those idols, you destroy all of that. Leave no trace of it in that land because they can become an influence to turn you away from me, away from the truth, and into the self-destructive practice of idolatry. We need to learn from that example. We need to learn that lesson. Stay away from sin. Then you don't have to overcome it later on. How does an alcoholic have to deal with his alcoholism? He has to go through a, an arduous process of getting off of it completely. He can't keep drinking a little bit. That won't work. He has to completely abstain from it for the rest of his life. What would have been easier? Don't take the first drink. Now somebody throws up their hands, oh, you're being so here you're being so goody, goody goody there. You, what's wrong with drink? Nobody knows who might become an alcoholic. You can't look in the mirror and say, I, that's not, I'll never become an alcoholic. Most people who become alcoholics never thought they'd become an alcoholic. Almost all of them. But when you don't take the first drink, you don't have to deal with the problem later on. Somebody who toys with drugs and then becomes addicted, if they just stayed away from the drugs to begin with, they never would have had to have deal with getting past the addiction. Somebody who gets into sexual sins, if they just had stayed pure sexually and put their sexual lives in the context of how God designed it to be satisfied through marriage, they would not have had to deal with all of the potential problems that their sexual sins created. We could go on and on. God tells the Israelites do not leave any of those idolatrous people in that land that I'm going to give you. They can turn your heart from me. The lesson is for us today, just by way of different application, but the principle is exactly the same. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for blessing us with your word to guide us in your way, to give us the instruction of your wisdom that is unparalleled by anything this world can come up with. Help us to learn. Help us to cherish your teachings. And help us, guide us, to make the proper applications to our lives, Father, we pray. And thereby be able to look forward to an eternal home with you in heaven. Please help us, Father and help all of humanity see that this is the best way for their lives. We pray. Please guide all in your will. Please forgive us. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.